Strike the timeout. Technical They're foul. Out of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. It's officially February. That means March is coming next, Tate. Uh, I'm very excited. March Madness around the corner. It's Friday. I'm feeling good. I started working out again, Tate Frazier. Um, I, I don't. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to get anyone's hopes up because you and I have a have a history of making promises on this podcast <laughs> that never get fulfilled. But uh, there might be there might be a comeback in the works for old Marky T. He might have a uh, he might have a comeback on the horizon. So I'm back to working out. I'm feeling good. It's Friday. How you doing, Tate? I'm doing great. I just want to say that it's sort of like the rookie with Dennis Quaid with you. I feel like there is a chance that you do yep. come back. Like it just didn't quite work out the first time. You put yourself out there. You tried to declare for the draft. You know, Ohio State obviously held you back, and now you're you're your own man. You're a free agent, and you can make it happen. I'm proud of you. Uh, listen, I'm 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 being 100 percent serious. I was called. I was said there might be an opportunity. Um, that's all. I could, that's all I'm at liberty to say right now. And so. Uh, I'm trying to get my ass back in shape, and and yeah, give this thing one more run, Tate. That's what the fans want. If, yes. If, like, one how great would that run. be for our podcast? One more run. If that's what they're chanting right now at home. And and yeah, I, I just want people to speculate basically as to like what what's in the works. Am I going to play in Lithuania, Tate? That's the question. That's the question people want to know. Um, I was thinking Bosnia Herzegovina, but we'll we'll see what works out. I, I was hoping that you and Billy <laughs> Preston were a tag team deal, but Billy uh, Preston, we're not sure. Uh, Hey, let's start. Let's start like we've started the past few Fridays uh, with you giving me an update on the NBA because last night, if we're being honest, the last few days of college basketball, there's not been a ton of action or, or certainly nothing that like the mainstream people. You and I are honest with like we we value honesty. We're not going to sit here and tell our listeners that this week was wild and and every week because at a certain point you lose credibility, Tate. If you say every weekend's wild, every couple days is crazy. Eh, these last few days. Not really that crazy, for being honest. So uh, I found myself watching some NBA last night, and it, 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 I, I watched uh, what was I watching? Denver. They were playing mm. Oklahoma City, and Denver scores like forty points. I, I ended up turning the game off like halftime because I had to go to sleep. But Denver scored like forty points in the first quarter, and I was just like, it. it I, I think about Fran Fraschilla, how he always says NBA and college are like the difference between Portuguese and Spanish, mm-hmm. and that's how I was thinking. How we have. I love that analogy because I'm sitting there watching Denver drop 40 points in the first quarter, and then I'm thinking about how Virginia is like one of the best, a lock for a one seed in college basketball, and it's just hilarious how that is the exact same sport. But anyway, that's a long-winded way of saying, give me, give me the the juicy stuff of what's going on in the NBA right now. Well, it's been the wildest week in basketball, right? You know, we know that. Just kidding. That was a joke when you saying that. But uh, Gary Harris, yeah, he got uh, his big shot. So Gary Harris hits a shot with the Nuggets last night to beat the Thunder, Russell Westbrook. Uh, the funny thing about Gary Harris hitting the shot, besides the fact that he did this to uh, Russell Westbrook and Paul George, is that he was wearing Paul George's shoes, and he hit the shot to beat Paul oh, really? George. So I just thought that was interesting. Um, it, that ended up being a good game. It was a good game. Gary Harris hit yeah. a game winner, and uh, you should have stayed up for that. Nice. I know that probably would have been like yeah. 3 o'clock Whoops. your time, but uh, it, w- it yeah. was a crazy ending. Uh, I I love seeing Gary Harris do well in the NBA because when he came out of Michigan State, I thought there were a lot of people that were gung-ho about him being great, and I was unsure about it, and I'm happy to be proven wrong because I've always liked you Gary know, Harris's game. You know the moment that I knew Gary Harris was really good was when he went into Assembly Hall and lit up Indiana, mm-hmm. and it's not because Indiana was particularly great that year. I think they actually did have a decent team, if I remember, if I got my years right. 2014, but, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Was Indiana? I, I don't know. I've lost track. No, I don't. I think they were okay that year. But anyway, point is, Mr. Basketball. As someone who was there to watch Sean May when he, I was in attendance when Sean May came back to Indiana, and like every time he tried to take a step, the place was ripping him to shreds, <laughs> and he just wanted to shrink into a ball and 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 just crawl into a hole and disappear. Um, I, I've I've been I've been noticing basically. I keep an eye on Mr. Basketballs from Indiana who are mm-hmm. spo- who like Indiana fans think we're supposed to go to Indiana. Cow what guy. happens when they actually play in Assembly Hall? And people rip them to shreds. And Gary Harris dealt with that. And he dropped like 26 or something in Assembly Hall as a freshman. It was crazy. And I, I remember thinking like, damn, this dude is kind of good. So, yeah. Anyway. I'm Team Gary Harris. Back- and they the, the Nuggets keep drafting all these guys that play above him. Like they drafted Jamal Murray from Kentucky. They drafted Malik Beasley from uh, Florida State. Like all these other shooting guards that are like 6'5", 6'6", to take a spot. And Gary Harris isn't about that. He's like, I am better than Aaron Aflalo, and I will show you guys. So that was one little tidbit. Yeah. The other big thing that happened in the NBA is uh, LeBron James. You see this? You hear about this? LeBron James is going to go join the Warriors uh, in one of the biggest blockbuster deals of all time. He has decided... <laughs> <laughs> Why beat him when I can join them? Uh, and he's going to go to the Warriors, just like Kevin Durant did. Yeah. Uh, that was the big news that was reported by uh, ESPN and Chris Haynes. And then Charles Barkley last night was great. He said, uh, these millennials, just stop it. Just stop it. So I'm going to stop it and say that's the what, stupidest thing I've ever heard. So let's let's just go ahead and say that's what never going to happen. What, what, what does he mean by millennials? What do the millennials have to do with this? I, I don't know. I just know that anyone that's older than me, when I talk to them, first of all, they automatically hate me because they quantify me as a millennial. And then they talk to me like I I never knew anything happened before 2001. What is, what is Barkley's point? Like, these millennials need to stop it. What is it like? Because <laughs> the, are the millennials pretending like this might be a, a real thing that LeBron would go to the Warriors? Is that he, what he's trying to he, say? In, in Charles Barkley's mind, which I agree with, he thinks that it's all fodder that was made up by millennial bloggers. And, oh. uh, you know, as someone that works with millennial bloggers, I believe it. I, I believe Charles Barkley. <laughs> I'm on Team Barkley's side. Millennial. And as someone who works with, uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and bite my tongue about people we work with and LeBron rumors and <laughs> certain rumors about LeBron coming to California and riding certain horses that like, yeah, I don't know. Well, we should say uh, that LeBron James, this was all reported by ESPN, not by, not by us. Uh, So, so blame ESPN. Uh, And this story comes out and then LeBron James obviously, you know, responds to it today with his shirt off, which is this new phenomenon where LeBron does these interviews as it's his, it's like his new, uh, it's like for him to be, uh, Vladimir Putin or something like he doesn't he just takes his shirt off and does these interviews where and they ask him weird questions and he's like that's nonsense I never heard about that who said that and it just he, it's his way to punk the media I guess but it's very strange does he does he take his shirt off like as he's walking toward the yes. media or is he just yes. have a sh- no he takes so it it's off. not it's not like he's it's not like he's getting putting shots out like he's he's practicing or whatever with his shirt off. No, it's like when like, Spider Man's gonna put on a suit to go like fight crime. You know, like this is LeBron James. He does the opposite. He takes his shirt off to go fight the media. Wait, what? Yeah, it makes That's no wild. sense. It, it's so strange. But that was the biggest NBA news. I mean, That's I actually story. I got a lot of uh, backlash uh, this past Friday from when we did this. They were like, I don't care about the NBA. I don't care about hearing about this. We get oh, really? it. We don't like talking about the NBA. That's the whole joke. We're making fun of it. We can we can capture the. Guys of the NBA in five minutes and move on. That's the whole point. People don't care. Yeah, that's funny. People don't like this segment, huh? Well, cal- calm down, people. We're getting to a segment you're, you do like. We're gonna talk about the. We're gonna do the manager stories later. We're doing dirty laundry later. Um, but because people don't like the NBA tape, 
why don't we talk about the NBA some more? Um, <laughs> no, in all honesty, so I do think, and and most of our listeners are probably just college fans, and this might not go over well, but I do find myself interested in the draft, and I get, even though I, I feel like I'm a parent to the college basketball community, and I raise these kids. Mm-hmm. These are my kids. My kids. I, kids. I, ta- I take them. I watch over them. I treat, you know, we, we love them. And then when the draft comes, I want to see them off, and I want to take them to college and drop them off and say, here, go live into the world, you know? Um, so I, I I always love watching the draft. I always have opinions on the guys in the draft, even though once they get drafted, I kind of lose track of them, and I have no idea what what happens with them. I always, I'm very interested in the draft. So I thought... We should talk about the draft because we have not talked about the draft. People love to hear about the draft. They love to hear thoughts. You have to have opinions about the draft yes. if you're if you take yourself seriously as a basketball mm-hmm. analyst. Um, and my opinions always come from Draft Express. I don't know about you. There are a lot of resources <laughs> you can use. I used to use Draft Express. Mm. They, I, I, I go to Draft Express this year. I find out they were bought out by ESPN. Do you know this? They're, it, I, they're behind a paywall on ESPN. It's like ESPN <laughs> Insider now. I have no idea what to think anymore, so I thought it'd be a fun exercise for you and I to figure out what we're supposed to think. Because I used to just go to Draft Express and say, like, I guess these are what these are my thoughts on these these prospects, mm. but I have no idea what to think now. Well, the the best thing is that there are fourteen other draft sites that are just out there. They're like NBA Draft NBA Draft NBA Draft EU, NBA Draft Bosnia Herzegovina. Uh, there's a million of them, so you can figure it out. You can find it out. That paywall is not going to work most, uh, like all paywalls usually. That's weird. I did not know that they were owned by ESPN. I, th- I thought Giraffe Express yeah. was one guy, right? Isn't it one guy named like Jonathan? I thought so too. Yeah, yeah. Did I th- they just I buy so. him? I don't know. Well, he bought, he bought him out. That's what happened. Yeah, no, that was they smart. bought him. I, they did. I, I, maybe they have stuff on Draft Express, but the mock draft was behind. A paywall maybe that's what was behind the paywall i don't know i tried to look at the mock draft i couldn't find it because i was curious like who do people have going number one you, mm. you see i mean it's a it's obvious discussion point i saw pti was talking about it with jay will the other day yep. who do you take in number one bagley you taking trey young and then jay will's like i'm actually taking michael porter um Ooh. even though he hasn't played so i don't know my question to you tay is let's hash this out why don't why don't we provide our listeners with the one shiny podcast mock draft Big board, power rankings, whatever the phrase is that you're supposed to use when you talk about the draft. Is it big board? I think big board it's is big the phrase, board. right? Is this our big board? This is our big board. Um, who, who, Can we call who it our you, bigger board? This is the one big, the, podcast the biggest bigger board. board. The biggest board, yes. The the industry's biggest board. Um, who's Who would you take number one? Okay, so let, let's break we'll it down. There. Let's start there. Let's start there. Yeah, yeah. We'll start at number one, of course. Uh, not at zero, just at one. Uh, the the team with the number one pick right now, as it stands, if if they if they were to draft, it's Orlando, right? It's the Orlando Magic. So we're going back to Shaq. Oh, you're days. you're going with this. You're going with like the uh, oh, look at the a, NBA standings and what the they player. need. Wow. I'm going to give you a fit, and Holy I'm going to give shit. you who I think they're going to draft. Uh, Orlando, right? That's probably the team that's going to have the number one pick, and yeah. we've seen them draft. Shaquille O'Neal, we've seen them draft Penny Hardaway, we've seen them draft Dwight Howard, right? What it, what does that all say other than Penny? With it, which they would have taken Chris Webber if they probably did what they wanted to do at the time. It means they like big men and they like centers. Okay. And guess who the number one center is in the class? And I know that you're going to say to yourself, well, he's a power forward, Tate, and he plays at Duke. No, that's not what I'm talking about. It's DeAndre Ayton, seven-foot center out of Arizona. 
I think okay. he's going to be the number one pick. I think he's going to go to Orlando. I don't think he's the best player in the draft, but I think he's the perfect. Once they work him out and they see, you know, first of all, his, his vertical leap, they see him block shots, they see his jump shot, they see his form. People are going to buy into the fact that this guy's the new Shaq and he's going to go number one. I'm I'm totally agreeing with you. I think I I the only thing I disagree with is when you said I don't think Aiton is the best player in this class. I do think he's the best player. Mm. I don't think it matters who has the top pick. Um, and I should preface this by saying that my opinion probably doesn't matter. On this. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I guess I once that, you admit I preface that, everything I say with that. I guess once you admit that you take all your I've I've taken all of my draft opinions from just like looking at Draft Express mock drafts, which isn't true. I don't take all of them. I just kind of like. That was always my resource. I was like, I wonder what the rest of the world is saying. I would just kind of pull up that. Um, but anyway, the point is, I, I think Aiden, to me, like he's he's seven one, seven two, mm-hmm. and he actually is very fluid with how he moves. Um, he, his his calves, by the way, seeing that dude in person, his calves are like the size of my head. It's un, he he's unbelievably in. I, he's being misused by Sean Miller. We should start there. Yes. Um, he should be. He should have. You put four guards around him and let him pick and pop hit 15 footers, step out and hit threes every so often. He, in the league, maybe he takes like two threes a game or something just to keep the defense honest. Um, I'm very v- confused as to how he's not a better defender because he's like 7'3". He has long arms. He's got like 3% body fat. He can jump. And yet he averages like a block a game. I don't really get that part. Um, but I'm not really sure how much that matters for the rest of it all because I think like every prospect has some obvious flaws. So I'm, I'm in agreement though. DeAndre Aiden to me is number one. Uh, I, I feel like, by the way, the, the, the top seven to me f- seems sort of set in stone. And I, I did like look out, look at other resources and I started thinking about it more and stuff. There seems to be a consensus top seven of like Bagley, Aiden, Trey Young, Michael Porter, uh, Bomba from Texas, Jaron Jackson and then uh, Doncic is that how you say his Donkic. name? Doncic, the the, the Donkic. Croatian, yeah, the Croatian dude. That seems to be the top seven. Um, so I don't know, I, but I'm in agreement that Aiden's number one. So like, I guess you want to. Should we keep going? Should we? Let's just rank these top seven. Yeah. So so let's go to number two. So if we got Aiden, who would you one, do two? Yeah, Aiden's off the board. Then we're at number two, and that's probably going to be the Hawks. And if you got the Atlanta Hawks, you got the number two pick. You have John Collins, who's the franchise. Uh, and you got DeAndre Bembry, who's unbelievable. And you got Kent Bazemore. You got a young core that you like. You want to have a good time. You want to bring someone in there with some athleticism, some energy. And Marvin Bagley. It's easy. Why not? Marvin Bagley goes there. He plays mm. for a Grant Hills franchise. Um, you get, get the Duke connection going. Get the brotherhood really flowing. And I just feel like Bagley, I think that he should go number one, but I don't think he will once they do all the measurables and everything because Aiton's going to look better than him on paper. And I think Bagley goes to Atlanta. He has a nice fit there. You have Collins and Bagley. Those that's like one of the bounciest front courts you can find in basketball. And I don't know. I just think Bagley's going to be a top three pick, obviously. And if you take him, wh- whoever takes Marvin Bagley is going to win in the end. And uh, I don't know. I think he's got to be not a worried, two pick. You're not worried about his position. That seems to be the talk. Is like he's he's he can't play center because he's not good enough defensively. He's uh-huh. not like a rim protector. Yeah. Um, but he can't play four because he doesn't. That's not a skill set. He's like a he, he's old. He's school. basically like, yeah. Like when I watch him, he's basically like Ben Simmons, except without the point guard skills. Like, cause he can, he can drive on guys, and he can, but he doesn't shoot really. 
and he's got like the he, I don't know I don't Ben Simmons is a bad comparison I don't I don't want to mean he's like Ben Simmons but it's just there's like something about him where he's tall and he moves well and you can tell that he like has a good feel for the game and he always has like a physical mismatch but he can't pass as well as Simmons he can't dribble as well as Simmons so I'm trying to figure out like what you could use him for he can't he can't step out and hit the He's a back-to-the-basket guy, so he has to make, like, post moves, and he can catch at the high post and kind of take guys like that, but he's not, like, I don't know. He does shoot threes now, but... Yeah, but don't rely don't, on that three-point shot. I watched him in the Drew League this I know, past that's year, what, and it's it's like, I, I watched him miss about 50 shots from three, so I, I don't buy much into more him being a three-point shooter. Yeah. I'm much more confident in Aiton's shooting than uh-huh. Bagley's jump Same. shooting. Um, so... I don't know. That, that's what seems to be like it's it's which is kind of funny to me because all the talk about basketball and especially in the NBA now is that it's a positionless game, but the concern with Bagley is that he's a positionless player, and it's just kind of funny how we've arrived at a point where the game is positionless and everyone says it's awesome, and you want position positionless is a great thing because it's interchangeable and you can switch on defense and you just move guys all over the court and it makes for a more fun product, but positionless players are still red flags you don't want you don't want individual players to be positionless mm-hmm. you want the teams to be positionless and that's just kind of funny to me because that seems to be the concern with Bagley so um I've kind of bought into that like I I have not seen Michael Porter Jr. play but everything I've heard about him seems seems like my kind of player um so I guess have you seen Porter play at all did you yeah, did you watch, watch him, him at all in high I school? watched him play in the Jordan Brand Classic I watched him play in high school a little bit but I I will say this. I mean, I know that Michael Porter Jr. was the one that everyone pegged to be the number one pick kind of going into this class, and we haven't seen him play. I still am very skeptical. I, I don't like picking anyone that hasn't had any time in college or any time really that of playing on that kind of caliber and then having to draft him. Is that what you're saying? Michael Porter is your number three pick? Uh, I would say... I mean, like I, I, I think it's got to be. I would say Porter, Bagley, and Aiton are the top three, right? Like yeah. I don't, because the the question is going to become where do you put with Trey Young, and I guess that's ultimately what the discussion we're having here is. It, it, just because, like every other college basketball discussion, it comes back to Trey Young, and the question is, <laughs> where does Trey Young fit in? And I mean, I'm kind of clueless on Porter. I've seen him on, I've seen him on YouTube, and I've heard other people talk about him, and I, I, I feel like he should be in the top three, but um. Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of what I, the point I was getting. This to. is this is a sort of with Porter. I have this problem where he is like this pretty boy type, where he's already been like he looks the part. You know what I mean? And James yeah. Michael McAdoo had to deal with this a lot. Like he really looked the part when you saw him. He was a physical, like physically looking at him. You're just like, oh my god, this is the perfect basketball player. But I don't know if all the skills were necessarily there. But people had already you know bumped him up because of that. And Michael Porter Jr. When I see him on a basketball court, it looks right. It looks like he's going to be this unbelievable yeah. talent. But I still haven't seen it, so I don't. I don't know. I, I definitely can't put him ahead of Bagley, who has been unbelievable. I can't put him ahead of Aiden, who I think is a literally the perfect physical basketball player at seven feet tall that you could have at center right now. And I mean, I honestly wouldn't have Porter in the top three, but I think there's no way that he falls mm. just because of. So you're doing yeah. You're doing Trey Young three. Are you doing someone else three? I'm doing. <laughs> this is you're gonna think this is crazy. Everyone's gonna think this is crazy. I'm doing Colin Sexton number three. Wait, what? <laughs> Sorry, what? Yeah, I don't. I don't think like there's all these guys. It's sort of what happened with Dennis Smith Jr. last year, where everyone is, you know, they're they're like, well, you can't take him in the top five. You know, we we know he has all the skills in the world. We know it's going to translate to the NBA. We we all understand that, but it's not like you can take him top five. It's too much of a risk. Well, 
I, I don't know if Luka Doncic is going to transfer to the NBA. I don't know if Michael Porter Jr. is ever going to play to the level I expect him to. Jaron Jackson is probably a guy I would have up there. Uh, between him and Sexton yeah. would be the two that I would have. And I would just take Sexton, and it, it would be the Kings pick right now. I would just take Sexton for the sheer oh fact God. that I mean, I have a guy that's 6'2", loves playing defense, super rangy, super bouncy, is all over the place. And he's like he's shot out of a cannon. And guess what? Avery Johnson is his coach. Avery Johnson is a great NBA mind, a guy that knows NBA basketball, a guy that knows how to teach guys how to play in space. And that's what Sexton does. I don't know. I I just think that Sexton is a guy that's going to be a steal, so I'm just going to bump him up to number three. What about you? Okay. I think Sexton... So- if this if this draft was happening in 1993, I think Sexton would be taken that high, or, mm-hmm. in the, or I guess not because he'd be a freshman. But the point I'm making is like, I don't think he's as skilled as as Trey. Obviously, he's not as skilled as Trey Young, but like some of the other guys. But he he the thing that jumps out to you is like the intangibles. I've said this before. Like when I watch this dude play, he just he just wants to kill people. Yeah, and he just he's, he's got that like attitude about Young him. Bull and. I feel like the old school NBA, like in, in the nineties, this would have they would have valued that so much and been like, I don't care. I don't care if he could shoot. I don't care if he fouls too much. I don't care what kind of <laughs> that's if he what I'm set doing. his teammates up. <laughs> I want that man in my bunker and like talking like that. Yeah. That's what that's what you're doing. You're going yes. back to that. Yeah, I'm going old school. I'm going um, for Barkley. Yeah. All right. You're trying to yeah, you're trying to prove the Barkley. You're not a millennial. And I'm also I'm trying to prove the point of like I feel like you have to course correct in life, especially with guards and the NBA draft. And last year, I, I hope that we all learned a lesson because we did this thing where Lonzo had to be the number one pick, even though we saw Fox dominate him twice. And, you know, we knew Dennis Smith could be, and we knew Donovan Mitchell could be, you know, but but for whatever reason, we just had to put ball there because he, you know, captured all these people's hearts. Right. And I feel like Trey Young is sort of the same thing, just because Trey Young, and I'm, and this is no slight to Trey Young. This is not to say that Trey Young is like Lonzo Ball. I'm just saying we sometimes the media bias and the bias of, well, this guy is the guy, so he has to be taken at this point in the draft, kind of affects the the whole the whole landscape of the situation. So I think I saw Sexton play Trey Young head to head, and I would draft Colin Sexton, and that's all I can say. How? How dare you talk shit about me to my face and not even like you're, you're talking about the media hyping up Trey Young as though I'm not on the other end of this call, Tate. Unbelievable. Unbelievable the audacity for me. Yes. Uh, so the Trey Young thing, I, I guess well, let's just get to the point with Trey Young um, because that's that's ultimately, I think, what the, the NBA, to, to me, the NBA, like I said before, the NBA draft is kind of like, what do you do with Trey Young? And it's so easy to say Steph Curry is. <laughs> not only one of the best players in the NBA, obviously, and won two MVPs, but he's completely revolutionized the NBA. And I think that's like that that to me will be Steph Curry's legacy a hundred years from now, is that he just completely changed how basketball's played across the board at every level. Uh Same. I don't I the, the problem I the problem I sort of have with Trey Young is like, what do you do with him and dra- is that people are so eager to say he's Steph Curry, but the margin of error if he if he is like ten percent were if he's like not quite Steph Curry if he's like ten percent a discount Steph Curry you know mm-hmm. that is that is not a player that you want to like throw all your chips into the middle of the table for you know like Steph Curry there, there's such a fine line in like what makes Steph so good and it's not just that he could shoot it's not just that he could pass so my my I guess my point is like 
I mean, like the Kings do thought that didn't the Kings owner think that the Buddy Hield was the next Steph Curry? <laughs> yes. And he traded, the, the, he traded Boogie gonna, Cousins, a perennial all star for him. they are going to be a thousand next Steph Curry's. And I understand that Trey Young is obviously better than Buddy Hield was. And he's got these skills and stuff. And it's, and it's easy to say, like, well, we don't have to worry about the fact that he can probably, Trey Young can probably bench press 160 pounds. It's probably his mm-hmm. max. And he looks kind of shorter. And he and weighs 170 exactly, pounds. Yeah. He's not exactly explosive because, like, even though he is quick and he's he's he does have, I would say, NBA athleticism. It's not like he's Russell Westbrook out there just exploding and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's easy to look at all that and say, well, that doesn't matter because Steph Curry showed us that you don't need all that stuff and you can be good. And Trey Young can just do what Steph does. And I guess the point, ultimately, if I bring it back around, Tate, is that what Steph Curry has done to the NBA is is impossible. It, it does, like I bet he wakes up and he's like, I have no idea how the hell I've done this, and I continue to do this, and and to say that like Trey Young can just plug right in and do all those same things, I'm semi worried about that. I'm semi worried that people are just assuming that yeah he can do this, and I, I guess I'd maybe, I I'm sure there are some people that agree with me and 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 don't think that's necessarily how this is going to play out, but uh, that that would be my concern with Trey Young is like obviously we've seen his ceiling. If he be, can become the next Steph Curry, that's insane. You should take him number one overall. But if he misses, and he misses by even, yeah, even if he's 80% of what Steph Curry was, then you should not take him over Jaron Jackson Jr. or Colin Sexton or Marvin Bagley, you know? So, I don't know. Yeah, I was trying to say, like, I was trying to think of a guard that's been, like, a scoring guard. Like, what what if he's just Shane Larkin, right? You know? And I'm right, not, yeah, I'm that's, not, that's, I'm not that's saying, what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying he is, but I'm just saying, what if... Like Shane Larkin was amazing in Miami in 2013. That year, he was great. He was an amazing scorer. You know, obviously he had the Barry Larkin, he had the, the genes from his dad. I mean, he had everything going for him. You you thought he was going to be great, but then when he got to the league, he couldn't defend anyone, and he was too small. He didn't have the arm. I mean, he didn't have the length, uh, the wingspan, or anything to to make it happen. And I think Trey has limitations at, at different levels of his game. He obviously has the turnover problem that he'd have to figure out. You can't risk having a guy having that many turnovers. But so does Steph when he came out. I mean, there, there's obviously the comparison to be made, but I just think the, the idea that we have gotten to the point where Trey Young is now in talks to be the number one pick just because he is plays yeah. similar to Steph Curry is a bridge too far. I can't go that that's far. What, that's what I'm saying, I guess. Yeah, like, because if this was, uh, everyone's saying if Steph can do it, then Trey can definitely do it. And they're two completely different people with two completely different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, to, like, they, they just look similar and play sort of similar, but that doesn't mean... Yeah, if Trey Young was on Duke, would he be doing this? Would anyone? Would anyone really? I mean, I'm sure he'd be still a great player. Uh, but part of it, if we're, if we're being honest, is that he's on a team that doesn't have he doesn't have a ton of help, and he kind of he has the freedom to do it all, mm-hmm. and that might play into it too. So uh, I don't know. These are it, it's. I love Trey Young. I want Trey Young to obviously. I've I've made my stance clear on this podcast that uh, I'm very much a Trey Young fan, but. Yeah, the, the fact that people are talking about him number one is is very bizarre to me. I don't think he should be number one or even close to it. I think I think the top three is Bagley, Aiton, and Porter in some order. But Doncic, do you Doncic? Or is it Doncic? Doncic. Doncic. Luka Doncic. Doncic. Yes. Um, have, do you know anything about him? Because I the only thing I know about him is is John Diebler, a uh, friend of the program, who who says that he listens to our podcast. And by the way, John, I'm calling you out. If you actually listen, text me within the next three days, or I know you're full of shit. Um. <laughs> Diebler, Diebler's playing over in Turkey, and I talk to him every every so often. And he'll call me, and uh, he called me the other day and was telling me that like he's blown away by Doncic. He, he's like, this dude is a real deal. And I and I, you're asking yourself, what 
Why should I value John Diebler's opinion? And I'll tell you why, Tate. <laughs> this is a man who... I would never say that John Diebler. I already value it. I would never... John Diebler would never, ever praise like a six 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 seven white guy who can shoot, ever. Like, this is a man who tears down every guy. This is a man who, who when he sees someone who plays similar to him in even the slightest way, he, he has to tear him down so he can build himself up. He did it to me when I was at Ohio State. He oh, got yes. so insecure about how good of a shooter I was. And... The point I'm making is that Diebler swears that Doncic is like the greatest thing. Uh, Doncic? I have no it's idea. It's But He swears he's like the greatest thing ever. <laughs> Doncic. Um, he swears he's the greatest thing ever, so I'm buying into his hype, but I don't know. I, uh, I'm i always skeptical because I, 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 first of all, I said he was from Croatia. He's from Slovenia, so I'm sorry to all the Slovenia people out there. I, I don't mean to, to, to overstep my bounds. I am a big fan of Croatian basketball and the brand of Croatian basketball. So when Hazonia was coming out, I was all in, you know, I was like, this is the guy and Saric too, Saric and Hazonia. I bought into them. I watched them at the world games. I really loved their team. I was like, these are the guys that know how to play and, and I'm really all in on, on what they're about. And then my heart got like a little bit broken with Hazonia just because it hasn't quite worked out in Orlando. And I, I blame the, the, the system and situation in Orlando a little bit for that. And then Saric is figuring it out with the Sixers. So that's good. I don't know. I, I Donkic. I got to see it to believe it in the NBA, especially with these international guys. But we have seen that it has changed quite a bit. I mean, like Tia Dosich just came over and is playing for the Clippers and he looks great. He looks like he can just, you know, come right in and, and play NBA basketball. There's no drop off from what he was doing before, um, which that gives me hope for Donkic. I did hear from uh, Deion Thompson, who's also abroad, that Luka Donkic is unbelievable and that he's a surefire top five pick. So you put those two together, Deion Thompson, John Diebler. Mm. I would Deion say Thompson. I would say that's a top five pick. So we're, we're all in for Luka Doncic. We'll ride that we're wave. All in for them. Sure. So a couple more questions I want to ask. The Mo Bamba versus Jaron Jackson mm. debate. Mm. I don't know. I don't know if that is actually a debate. I see it as a debate. They <laughs> sort of are the same. Yeah, they're, they sort of have the same build. Sort of the same. I don't know. They, they sort of do the same. I, I feel like that's going to become the debate if it's not already by the time the draft is like, which one's better? Where do you stand on that? Because I'm, I'm, I think I'm Jackson. I think uh, Bamba's the better defender, but Jackson is. It's Jackson is better offensively and can shoot and is more versatile offensively enough. Like the gap between Jackson's offense and Bamba's offense to me is more than makes up for the gap between Bamba's defense and Jackson's defense. Because Jackson is still like a phenomenal defender. Jackson's probably the best defender in the Big Ten. It's a it's a literally like the the difference between their offensive games is they're not even close. Like what Jaron Jackson can do with shooting the basketball, like he can spot up in the corner and shoot threes already. You know, like you can kick it out to Jaron Jackson. He but, can clear space in the lane and hit a hit a corner three and get back on defense. He blocks shots I mean, not to say that Bamba doesn't so, block shots. Bamba does all that stuff too. But I just think Jaron Jackson is more com- complete of a player right now. And he's obviously played for Izzo. I still think Bamba is not necessarily being used in the best way or he hasn't quite figured out. The game looks like it hasn't slowed down for Bamba yet in college. And for Jackson, it looks like it already has. So that means I would take Jackson, who seems like he's more matured and ready to go. Right? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm in complete agreement. And by the way, it's funny you said that that – Jackson plays for Izzo. I, I I don't think Izzo is using Jackson right. Oh, I think well, Izzo. I've said this. Well, he's got two. I've many said big this guys. all year. That, the Ward, Bridges, yeah. and Jackson. Yeah. Let's talk about some guys that are on the fringes who aren't the lottery guys, mm. and then and then we'll move on. And we, and we promise, by the way, we'll never really do the draft stuff again. We'll do the draft stuff after the season. But I just wanted to check in. I think it's important to like take the pulse. Um, it's a of, casual of Friday. The draft sometimes. Yeah. Just to kind of yeah. So are, who who do you is like not a lottery pick? Who's not a um. 
I don't know. Uh, you know what I'm trying to say. I know what who's, you're saying. Who's, yeah. who's a name that people aren't getting excited about? Okay, so that people if, should get excited about. This is who you should get excited about, and I don't know if people have watched him because I don't know how many people watch UNLV. I'm a big fan of UNLV because people forget Mark Titus. They beat Duke by 30 points in the national title game one time. Uh, UNLV has a program. <laughs> uh, Brandon McCoy. We got all these seven footers that we keep talking about. You know, every, we're, we're we're like you know eight in Bagley, Jackson, Bamba. Why waste your seven-footer pick at the top of the draft when you could wait to draft this guy, Brandon McCoy, out of UNLV? And he's seven feet tall, 255 pounds. He's a freshman guy. He he went there late to UNLV. He actually was supposed to, at one time, everyone thought he was going to go to Michigan State. But he's had an unbelievable year. He's got a 7-2 wingspan. Uh, I mean, I watch whenever I watch UNLV play, he's just so much fun. He's number 44 if you haven't seen him play. Um, if you just watch like four minutes of UNLV basketball, you'll see who he is. And he's a, just a, a, he has all the skill sets in the world, and you're going to get him late in the draft. And I, I, I watched him in the Jordan Brand Classic. He had like 15 and 13 and like some huge blocks in that game, I remember. Uh, I, I think Brandon McCoy like would could end up being the still of the draft. Um, he, he's still a little raw, but I don't know. That's that's the guy that I have off the top of my head. What about you, Titus? You love so. I would just want to point out that, that this is this is what makes you so great, Tate. This is why we we keep you around. And this is this is just a double middle finger to the haters right there. That people ask you what you know about college basketball. Do you even watch these games? You're you're pulling out guys. I'll be honest. I have no idea who this guy is. I don't, I'm not watching UNLV. You know Boom. that. I have nothing against UNLV. They're just not relevant right now. And you're watching UNLV basketball. You're, you're the guy who pulled out the John Collins thing. And from what I can tell, John Collins is killing, right, in the NBA? Leads all rookies in PER by two points. Right. And last and last year, you're you're thumping your chest about John Collins needs to be drafted higher, which by he wasn't he wasn't like an under-the-radar guy. I think a lot of people knew of him because he played at Wake Forest. But um yeah, you, you, this is this is the Tate Frazier special. You just dig deep into the bag and pull out a Brandon McCoy from UNLV, and people listening are like, "I have no idea who the hell that guy is," but Tate does. So it's it's a, it haters, it's a little right? bit of a West Coast bias too because I get to watch UNLV because those are the games that I get to watch. You know, lucky me. Uh, yeah. But uh, it, he is great. I, I do think Brandon McCoy could be good, and McCoy as a last name is just a strong last name. You know, it, it lasts in professional sports. So uh, I have I, I have a couple thoughts. My the guys that I want to see do well, I think the, I don't know if these are the guys I'm rooting for, or the guys I think are great, or what. First of all, Tony Carr from Penn State, mm-hmm. who, Your as boy. I said before, didn't really know much about him until he dropped 28 on Ohio State and banked. Or yeah, did he bank in the three? He did bank yeah, in the three to beat in. Ohio State. Banks open. Yeah, it was banked in from basically half court. Uh, then I was like, who the hell is this guy? I started watching him more. He drops 28 at Michigan State. He's a six five point guard. Tate. He's. For some reason, I have no idea why he's not being mentioned in the Big Ten Player of the Year discussions because Penn State actually might be able to sneak into the top four of the conference, top five, which is just mind-blowing for Penn State, who I think most people would, if you don't pay attention to Big Ten basketball, it's like Rutgers sucks, Penn State sucks, and then everyone else is fighting for 12th Relevancy. place. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so for Penn State to even be like sort of in the mix, I don't think they're even... I don't think they're going to sniff an NCAA tournament bubble or anything like that, but uh, I don't. This kid's this kid's unbelievable, and I I have no idea where he's showing up on these draft boards, but I, I can't imagine a six five point guard like he does it all. Like Ohio State, the game I'm watching, literally every time he shot the ball, I was like, "That's going in," and he he got to any spot on the floor he wanted. And I I realize that Ohio State's guards aren't lighting the world on fire, and that's not our strongest aspect of our team, but. My God, like the kid was unbelievable. And and 
You I don't know. You have the precedent set that Penn State can put someone in the NBA that's a guard that can survive and sustain. You got Tim Frazier, who did it not too long ago, and Tim Frazier is the backup point guard. He's starting now for the Wizards. It's like, there you go. Penn State can put out Is he really players. Tim Frazier? Yeah, because John Wait, Wall's Tim hurt. Tim Frazier started for the— Yeah. Oh, my God. What a world. I love. I'm. I. I told you. I told you and Simmons that Penn State, if they could just like just harness it, figure it out. They could. They could figure it out. If they could just figure it out, they could figure it out. Well, these guys just. They could just harness the shit. They got the players. They. I don't know. But but yeah, this Tony Carr kid. He's incredible. I don't know where he's showing up on mock drafts, but uh, I I want him to do well. Uh, the other kid I'm cheering for, and I and I, I I don't think he has much of an NBA future, but. I have no idea how honest Mahmoud of Louisville, who I've loved for four mm-hmm. years, he's now a senior. I have no idea why he's not better, I suppose, is how I would put it. The, the guy is like seven foot one, and he moves like he's six foot one, and he blocked. He's just so athletic. He looks to me like a guy who did not start playing organized basketball until he got to Louisville. Mm-hmm. And he just screams, like, in five years, if I get the right coach and everything, I could be serviceable in the NBA. And I, I feel like NBA people will have no idea who the hell he even is. And um it's it's very strange to me. Like he's a guy that that reminds me that college and NBA are very different, which I, I know he's not putting up great stats in college, but like you see him play and you say, That dude has to have an NBA future, yeah. right? And then you go like look at mock drafts and you look at whatever, and it's like you look at like where he's he's picked to be drafted and it's undrafted. Like every single person is no, this guy's not gonna get drafted. So I'm I, I'm not saying I think he's gonna be an impact guy. I'm just rooting for him because he seems to me like a player that I, I don't know. I, I've loved him ever since I for four years ago when he got to Louisville. Can I can I jump in this and give you another player that I love, just like an Osmo move for you? Uh, his name's Devonte Kaycock out of UNCW. I've, oh God, here we go. <laughs> I've, I've, mispro- I've mispronounced his name like fourteen different ways uh, over the years, but that just shows how much I've had a longing uh, crush on the guy and how good he is at basketball. And I'll tell you how good he is. This guy, he leads the entire nation. And rebounds per game, 13.1 rebounds per game. Next closest guy is my boy Delgado at Seton Hall. And he's the only person that's eclipsed the 300 rebound mark on the season so far. He's a 6'7 wing. He can play. You talk about positionless basketball and people, everyone wants to find their next Draymond Green. That's what Devontae Kaycock does. He plays every position. He can play the five, play the one, play the two, play the three, play the four, whatever it takes. Devontae Kaycock, I don't think any team or any person knows who he is besides me and probably the four listeners no. that care what I say. Uh, but Devontae Kaycock is, is one guy that's on my list that I really love, and I hope he gets a shot. I don't think he's going to get drafted, obviously, but bring him to camp. The guy just gets boards. He, he has, like, the weird thing. You know when someone takes a shot, Titus, you can just see that guy that can anticipate every like where it's going to bounce off the rim? I feel like that's how he mm-hmm. rebounds. And it's hard to find that these days with with so many people that don't have uh, like normal knowledge of basketball. It's more of just like these skilled athletes out there. But uh, Kaycock's my guy, and John Elmore out of Marshall is one of my other guys. That's that's a real sleeper name. Holy shit! <laughs> Holy sh- look at this guy! Look at this guy, Tate. Just uh, I, unbelievable, unbelievable. There's this is a- <laughs> this is more than I this is more than I bargained for. I, I was gonna I wanted to ask you like who do you like as a sleeper and you're supposed to be like Kevin Knox of Kentucky. <laughs> I'm this, like, well, Tate, isn't he supposed to go in the top ten? You're like, yeah, but that, that's what I thought you were gonna say. No, you're, you're no, no, this is even better. There's only been one player in the entire nation to have two triple doubles this season, and I don't really care much about triple doubles, but in this case, I do. Uh, John Elmore is the guy's name out of Marshall. The reason I am intrigued is because he is a six three point guard. 
you know, he, he, he shoots the ball really well. But the thing that really intrigues me is his head coach. And I don't know if you know this, but Dan Dan Antonio, uh, Mark D'Antonio's uh, younger brother, not his older brother, his, yeah. his younger brother is the head coach at Marshall. And so they run his system, basically the D'Antoni system at Marshall. It's very up and down, fast paced, very spread. I mean, you know, I feel like Elmore is a guy that's learning how to play NBA basketball right now. He's obviously handling it. He's a white guy, by the way. I don't know if people know that. I mean, he's like the most oh. generic looking white guy if you want to Google him. Uh, and he's getting triple doubles. He's running this amazing offense. He's like James Harden, but white on this team for Marshall. And I don't know. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Uh, he's just a sleeper. Just keep it out there. If you hear John Elmore get drafted number 60, like he's going to take over the NBA. He's going to be the Tom Brady of basketball. Is he? He's like James Harden, but why? Is he right-handed or left-handed? He's right-handed. So you just did. You yes. just did a cross-hand, yes. cross-race. Yes. Comparison, unbelievable. Yes. This guy. I don't even know why I've I've been talking this podcast. I like you. Anytime we talk about the draft, I should just let you talk because this is on. This is incredible. I'm having a lot and of fun. And by the way, no no one has any way of like fact checking or, or literally nobody listening has an opinion on John Elmore to be like, Tate, you're an idiot. You're wrong on that guy. It's everyone's just kinda like, okay, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, um That's the best part. I could have made this guy up and you guys would have been like, uh yeah, sure. He sounds great, I guess. Next point. Yeah. So um Tate, I don't know. I just want to talk about the draft a little bit. I think it's important to sometimes check in on the draft stuff. And- uh I, I, I don't know. Can I give one more thought before we leave the we draft stuff? Yeah, go ahead. Mitchell Robinson, the the name, I think you obviously know the name from Western Kentucky. He was Stansbury's five-star guy that decided not to go to Western Kentucky. He's on every single draft board as a, as a guy that's going to get picked in the first round. So he's going to be obviously none and done. Um, and he's going to be like in the Terrence. I don't even think he's playing right now. I think he's just working out in California. Uh, so that's a name too that Mitchell Robinson that everyone's gonna forget about. He's a seven foot one guy. He was mentioned in the Bomba, you know, Jackson group of uh, of big men that were coming out, Aiton, Bagley, all those guys. And he just sort of fell by the wayside. Everyone forgot about him. And if Western Kentucky had him this year, they'd probably be what competing for? I mean, probably a four seed or something. Like, I mean, they would be a great team, I think, with Robinson. So he's another name to watch out for. Last team to beat Purdue was Western Kentucky. Yep. Robinson was he was there he was at Western Kentucky then he trans like he left and then he was back and then he left again yeah was, it was yeah. a long saga that was just sad and I remember fun. Rick Stansberry just being really sad about it I, I don't know why but it it was, it was very sad hey here's a question for you let's talk about college basketball for a quick second oh nice um, beyond the draft I mean we have been talking by the way, we've been talking about college basketball all these guys are in college uh, but one one burning question right now that I have is. Villanova, Virginia, and Purdue are locks for one seeds. I think that's pretty. I guess lock my not a hundred percent lock, but you know what I'm saying. Like it's going to take a miracle for they 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 have a lot of room for air to blow their one yes, seed. They have um, the resumes, so those those three are probably the one seeds. But the fourth one seed is up in the air. Um, and I don't know how much weight people put into this. I think it matters more just for to kind of just put a nice little bow on the end of the season and say we earned a one seed more so than it is like actually that big of a deal when the bracket gets laid out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, if it Honestly, I would probably rather be a two seed because a, a one seed comes, you come with all the pressure of having to play the 16. And also in the second round, you know you're playing like an eight or a nine. A two seed... You, you you beat the fifteen. Now you might get you might get the ten. You might get the ten in the second round, which is not as good as the nine. That's how that works, Tate. So um, anyway, I'm not sure it really matters 
for that purposes, but I'm just curious. I like talking about it. Who is the who's the fourth one seed right now? Because Kansas seems to be yeah the consensus, but you and I both think Kansas isn't that good, but you can't really deny their resume at this point. Um, I don't know. I have a sneaking suspicion that Michigan State is going to end up being that fourth one seed. Um, but I think if they I do too, actually. But I think if they become the one seed, I don't know how it's two Big Ten teams when the Big Ten is going to get what five teams in the tournament, right? Right. So it's like how it's can, very you, how can think, you have two one seeds and then three teams in the tur- like three other teams in the tournament? So I, I, that's why it kind of holds me up. But for whatever reason, in my head, the whole year I feel like Michigan State is going to be that other one seed. I think Michigan State it could very easily earn it, and uh, especially they, they still have to play Purdue. Um, mm-hmm. you, if Michigan State wins out, I think they have to earn it. But then at the same time, the Big Twelve has been the best conference this year. I mean, the, the, the Big Twelve sucked against the SEC, but if you really buy into all that, that's more about matchups and and whatever. I mean, there's like two or three bounces of the ball go a different way. The Big Twelve wins top to bottom. The Big Twelve has been the most competitive, even with West Virginia sucking, that I think the committee is going to just whoever, by default, give whoever wins the Big 12, which is going to be Kansas. I think Oklahoma like maybe could sneak in there, but I don't think they're going to get a one seed. I don't know. I, I'm just going back to, like I think the Big 12, I think Kansas, if they win the Big 12, that's just enough for them to get the, the one seed, especially if they win the Big 12 tournament. But uh, it's basically got to be Kansas, Duke, or Michigan State, mm-hmm. right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> as boring as that is, that, that's who it is. But it is exciting that those guys aren't already penciled in as one seeds because it's usually the opposite of that. It's usually those three guys are one seed, and we're trying to figure out if Purdue, Virginia, or one of these teams is going to be the other one. So uh, I'm kind of yeah, glad it's true. flipped on its yeah, head. That is true. Um, let's take a break. Yeah, we'll take a quick break, and we'll come back and uh, do a little bit more college basketball and then do dirty laundry. Today's episode of One Shining Podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there is a simpler way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're catching your favorite musician on tour, shopping for the perfect gift, or searching for a last-minute deal to see your favorite team, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. Nothing beats being there in person for the biggest plays of the year, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. I actually just use SeatGeek to buy tickets to a Sophie Tucker concert out here at the Fonda Theater. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals, and it gets you the most bang for your buck. SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all, our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code OSP today. That's promo code OSP for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, right seat, right now, right from your phone. Let's get into the podcast. All right, Tay, let's uh let's get into the dirty laundry segment. People love this, I think. I don't know. Um I haven't been on Twitter. Shout out to the guy who who sent me an email and said, Stop telling us that you're not on Twitter. We get it. Um <laughs> but I'm gonna tell you one more but time. I haven't been you, on Twitter. You should feel but I assume proud. people love this. People were tweeting at me saying, Tell Titus, you know, this, this and that. Oh, by the way, by the way, I I'm gonna go off on a quick tangent here. I saw the New York Times article that 
was published, I think last weekend, about all the all the people in media who buy fake followers. Yes. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, yes. that they were just basically putting people on celebrities and whatever on blast. So uh, somehow I, through that article and through just whatever, I, I, I come across the website, the Twitter audit website, oh, where I you like type too. in your username. It's great. So Tate, get this. <laughs> I type in my username. Yeah. I have seven, my, my followers are 7% real, according to this website. <laughs> 7%. This website is telling me that <laughs> this this website is telling oh, me yes. that I have like nine I have like nine thousand actual humans following me. Hey, and he's I had, a phony. And, and so I'm I'm sitting there going, why the hell have I? I mean, this is like it's completely changed my worldview, Tate. I'm like, why the hell have I been wasting my life tweeting? To literal robots. <laughs> like, you mean to tell me that all these arguments I've gotten in in the past eight uh, years have been with robots. goddamn robots? Yes, robots. What What is happening? And so, honestly, like I'm sort of in a in a, in a Truman Show situation where, like, I I'll be hundred percent truth, Tate. I have not bought a single Twitter follower. I if I have all these bots follow me, I swear to God, I have not bought. I I am not. I do not stoop low enough, and I can back that up by saying, like, if I was the type of guy who would buy Twitter followers. Then I would be the type of guy who would like be on Twitter all the time, all the time. and take Twitter super seriously. Yes. And the fact that like I go through hiatuses where I just don't give a shit about Twitter, that should be proof enough that I don't really mm-hmm. I wouldn't be the kind of guy to buy followers. So I didn't buy followers. And I'm thinking like I have that Truman show complex, which like I feel like this is relatable to anybody who saw that movie, where you just think like the rest of the world is conspiring you to screw with you in some way. And they're all and like what the what the hell is going on here that like this world has been set up for me on the internet where I think I matter and as it turns out literally nobody gives a shit like do people actually listen to this podcast I have no idea we don't want to find out no one audited us I have no idea no one audited us my Twitter, I'm saying my Twitter hiatus, it might be extended because like, I, I'm so shook by this Twitter audit of like, you have 9,000 real followers. It's like, why the hell do I, do you have any idea how much stress this is, that website has caused in my life for, for nothing, for literally nothing. It's unbelievable. <laughs> anyway, back to the point. Um, I assume the fans liked it. Do people like this segment? Do they like the dirty laundry? Yeah, I think they are. I, I know Frey does. Okay, Frey okay. loves dirty laundry. Frey dirty well, we'll get into it. Here we go. Are you ready for some stories? Yes, please. This week? All right, here we go. We had a meeting first week of summer classes since most of us were new to the program. For whatever reason, one of our managers did not show up to practice or the meeting that day. The head coach then asked where he was and called him on another manager's phone. When he did not answer, he started a voicemail and proceeded to pass the phone around the whole room with everybody on staff leaving a message. The last person to get the phone was an assistant coach in the back of the room. He said, quote, the first day I saw you hitting a player with a pad, I knew you were a pussy. I knew you would be first to quit. <laughs> About two months later, on the first day of fall semester, he ended up quitting. Nice. Nice. Lo- love the stories of the coaches coaches hating the managers. Uh, I was a manager... I was a manager on the basketball team of a D3 school in Iowa. I went with the team to a house party during the week. The party got broken up by the police. I walked outside and the house was surrounded by five to six policemen. Mm. I was standing by the captain of our team who I had never spoken to previously. We looked to our left and a very large student attempted to run away. Three officers quickly chased him down and all fired tases at him. While the kid was wriggling around on the ground, I looked at my captain. We both bolted while the police were distracted. We spent the rest of the evening drunkenly sneaking around town by hiding in bushes under the impression that the police were after us. We managed to crash two other house parties 
for calling tonight. At, ne- at practice the next day, I went back to running the game clock. The captain gave me a nod, and we never discussed the evening again. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. That's, just, that's how... That's how friendships are started, Tate. Absolutely, and it's kind of like you know David and Goliath team and you know teaming up for the first time. I like it. Good story. Heartfelt stuff. I, that was a heartfelt one. I like that one. I was I, li- I like that heartfelt story about the police breaking up a party and tasering somebody <laughs> and, and hiding and running from the law. That's a, just, just a heartwarming heartstrings. story. I was a manager for a D1's women team. One of the male practice players was hooking up with our star player without our coaching staff's knowledge. Wait, what? Wait, what? one of the male. One of the male, oh, so one of the male practice players, they probably like, like a lot of the women's teams will have men on campus like practice against oh, them. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I, yeah, just, yeah. I got, co- I, I thought that this was not a women's team and it was like, and then, uh, okay. Wow. You, you thought this was Louisiana Tech yeah. women's team with, uh, yes. with Pat, someone's son coaching? <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, so one of the male practice players was hooking up with our star player without our coaching staff's knowledge. At some point during the season, their relationship went south, and they proceeded to have a full-blown argument about their relationship in the middle of practice. <laughs> it was super awkward for everyone, and the scout guy was asked to stop coming to practices for the rest of the year. Oh, I imagine so. That's nice. Um, Poor guy. At an Indiana middle school, we had a very good big guy. He played all through high school and went on to play in college, but he often struggled with layups during seventh and eighth grade. After the end of our disappointing eighth grade season, our head coach had our managers go through every single game from the season and mark every time he missed a layup. He then had them compile them all into a single video. I felt so bad for the managers because it was actually the longest video ever because this guy sucked (laughs) with background music the, the whole way. Coach then ended up playing the video at the end of the year team party and credited the managers for making the video. Let's just say the player hated the managers forever. Ooh. Let's see. Indiana, Indiana guy played in high school and college was a little awkward in seventh grade. Is this Greg Oden Tate? Mm. Is this a, is this a Greg Oden story? Do you think so? I was thinking Robbie Hummel. I don't know. <laughs> Robbie Hummel. Uh, there was a player on our team that was the biggest recruit the school had ever gotten, but was also probably the dumbest person I ever met. To give you an idea of his level of intelligence, when we were playing Gonzaga one year, he was laying in bed at the hotel and turned over to his roommate, who was one of the walk-ons, and asked, are we in, the, are we in Washington State or Washington, D.C.? <laughs> the walk-on told him they were in Washington State, so the player turns back over and says, we're in Washington State, baby. The walk-on realized he was FaceTiming his girlfriend and that she was ordering delivery food for him. <laughs> oh, my God. What? Wait, what? <laughs> I was a manager at a low-major school. We had some guys that would party the night before road trips. I happened to see one of the guys out and made a comment to him about being ready to go the next morning. He then punched me in the eye while wearing a state championship <laughs> ring. <laughs> <laughs> I got a black eye. Oh, really? I better be ready? Punches him in the face. Oh, I'm ready. I love it. I, yeah, the way, the way I see that is like the guy doesn't even talk. Like In my head, the, the player doesn't even say anything back. He just punches him. He's like, you, you stupid fucking narc. Just, <laughs> how dare you? And just goes about his business. Uh, I got a black eye and had the indentation of a warrior on the side of my face. The next day, I told the coaches I got elbowed playing pickup. Don't think anyone believed me, but they still let me travel with the team. Also, the game was on national TV. My parents saw me with a black eye. It was great talking to them afterwards. 
That's that's amazing. What a story. That's, that's a great that, story. that describes the that describes the like schools seem to go the player rela- manager relationship seems to go one of two ways where it's like the player and the managers become great friends, which the the story I read earlier where you have the, the running from the law, I bet those guys became great friends the rest of the, their playing career or whatever. Or it goes this way, where it's just like, I'm going to punch you in the face, and I hate these these damn managers getting in my way, and they don't <laughs> rebound well enough for me, and they don't give me good passes. Yes. That's hilarious. Uh, in, two, in 2015, I was a player for a mid-major program, and we were in Charlotte for the first round of the NCAA tournament. Wow. The, good job concealing your identity on this one. <laughs> we, lost, we lost to Tony Bennett in his pack line defense in a hard-fought battle. Very, very good job on that. Like, what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> that night, a few of the teammates and I went out in Charlotte and I borrowed one of our manager's IDs because I wasn't 21. I was overserved at every bar we went to and stumbled back to the hotel around 3 a.m. The bus was leaving for the airport at 5, so needless to say, I was struggling that morning. We were dropped off right next to our plane and the TSA agents had to check our IDs even though it was a charter. The manager ran up to me asking for his ID back and quickly turned pale as a ghost when he saw the dumb look on my face, clearly showing that I didn't have it. He had to tell our head coach he didn't have his ID and needed to go back to the hotel to find it. The plane couldn't wait for him to go to the hotel and come back, so he ended up having to ride on the fan bus for the seven-plus-hour drive back to the campus. Oh, my God. (laughs) This manager never ratted me out to my coach and took all the blame. There's really no way to repay this kind of loyalty, so I promised him my first child's middle name will be in his honor. Oh, my God. I, I don't think that's enough. That's unbelievable. What a great manager. Like, that's what you're supposed to great be there manager. for. You're supposed to just, like, help out at all costs. That's amazing. What a guy. Great, great manager. Great guy. Um, all right. Next one. Last year, a manager was turning 21, and we wanted to throw him a party. We didn't have a container to make jungle juice in, so we decided to borrow a Powerade jug from our facility. We also borrowed a coach's speaker for music. The next morning, we had senior day in a noon game and had to walk back to the facility with the speaker and Powerade jug hung over as hell. The team used the Powerade jug, and we got a win. We marked the jug so we will always know which one it was. It's, so they make they – make, do you think there's, like, residual jungle juice in the Powerade jug? Do you think that's what, like, propelled them to victory? Yeah, I hope we'll so. We'll never know. I hope so. These are the questions, Tate. All right, we're getting closer to my favorite ones. These are the, we're we're I, I did like the Simmons mailbag thing where like you know he's like we're getting closer to the we're in range you yes know? yes we're almost there you know what I'm talking about how yes, he does that of course we're almost we almost hit the one the winner all right th- these are the ones that are starting to get in range pretty sure I committed a major rule violation so let's keep this one anonymous is how this story starts <laughs> do do I have your attention Tate with this yes one? I'm locked in. Um, I was a manager for a mid-major basketball team for the last two seasons. We had a road game last season against an NCAA tournament team, a game that a lot of people actually thought we could win. In parentheses, we couldn't. (laughs) We found ourselves down at halftime, and our coach's halftime rant lasted just a little bit too long. Throwing markers and smacking whiteboards is fun, so I can't blame him. The locker room clock was about to hit zero, so I unplugged it and ran down the hallway to find the refs and let them know our locker room clock wasn't working, which is why our team wasn't on the floor yet. They checked our clock to confirm and did not issue a technical foul. Thanks to my deviant and savvy thinking, our opponent didn't get to shoot the technical free throws, and we only lost the game by 25. <laughs> Side note, we had Buffalo Wild Wings on the bus ride home, so everybody was happy. Nice. Yeah. Good for sure Buffalo that is a Wild violation. Wings. I'm pretty... <laughs> I wonder if that affected the spread, by the way. Absolutely. I hope the line was like 27. That would have been awesome. Yeah. Uh, we... 
we had, we just finished secretly scrimmage West Virginia and Morgantown, and the other managers and I were finishing up packing the bus. I was running back into the practice facility to make sure no boards, bands, etc. were left behind when Bob Huggins stopped me. After verifying that I was with Ohio State, oh, so this was the Ohio State. Okay, this was Ohio, this was the Ohio State scrimmage. I I got it. Good job on concealing your identity here. <laughs> After verifying that I was indeed with Ohio State, he said, there's a door to a staircase right across from the scores table that goes up to my office. Go up there, and on my desk, there's a blue bag. I want you to give it to Thad. So I eagerly run upstairs into Huggins' office and grab this blue bag. It was a flimsy grocery bag with two jars of moonshine in it. I was cracking up. What a legend. <laughs> he caught me ag- Unbelievable. He, he caught me again as I was headed back and goes, make sure Thad shares that with the managers. That's the good stuff. <laughs> I love it. So I included this one. So nice. I asked everyone to send in your stories and don't mention coaches' names. But one, if if Huggins hears that, he's going to nod along and be like, hell yeah, I did that. I'm awesome. And we're all just going to be like, yeah, you are. That's, that's a, a positive. That's a, that's a positive what, what story. Legend. Yes. And speaking of Huggins, I want to mention that we get so many Huggins stories. This is the number. I, I'm the one who sifts through all these, Tate. I know you don't actually read these, but the name that gets mentioned by the coaches, the ones that like I leave out, are all about Huggins and some of them are good. Some of them are people trying to like paint him in a certain light, but this one is a great, this one's a great story, but it, it, it it's so telling that all these stories about Huggins, because as we talked last time, Huggins is a man of the people he's out and about. He's, he's rubbing elbows with the people. So, um, I don't know. Shout out to Bob Huggins. I love Absolute Bob legend. Huggins. Put, put Bob Huggins in the Shout hall. Shout out fame, to moonshine. For God's sake. Way to go. Halloween was on a Tuesday and the coaching staff warned the team not to party after several incidents that had occurred the previous Halloween. This talk deterred nobody on the team or the manager staff. The party was at an off-campus house where four players lived. By the end of the night, there were 100-plus students, including one student in a popular scream mask. The person occupying the mask walked in with a 40 and sat on the family room couch. They did not move the entire night. I didn't think much of it and only remember because a, dr- a few drunk players went up and asked, inches from the mask, who the fuck this be? <laughs> and a couple co-eds were sitting on the person's lap. Fast forward to the next day's practice where the players are welcomed with trash cans strategically placed around the gym and, quote, get on the fucking baseline from the head coach. Oh. Players, ner- players nervously looked at each other and then watched in horror as the third assistant coach opened up his sweatsuit, revealing the scream mask <laughs> and dropped it on the free throw line. November 1st quickly became a cross-country boot camp practice. I spent two hours nervously watching this poor team go through hell, overhearing the coach recapping the night and thinking back on how he must have witnessed everything I did, oh. which included make, included making out with the first baseman on the softball team and taking several bong rips at the coffee table in front of the couch he <laughs> occupied. Holy shit. That's a great story. Uh, making out with the first That's baseman on the softball story. team is hilarious. Good for him. I'm going to say it. I love this segment. I don't care if no one else does. I, I don't care if the people are saying We're enough of the fun. stories. Yeah, these are great. We're having fun, and that's all that matters. All right, so two more. We, I got one more, and then I'll tell you my favorite, and, and we should give them some sort of prize for the winner. But anyway, here we go. Two more. This story happened last year in our conference tournament in a city known for its debauchery. Our, our director of operations goes out on the town and parties till 2 a.m. He gets back to the hotel and goes to sleep. At about 3.30, he gets a phone call from the hotel manager saying he needs to come down to the lobby because one of our walk-ons was wasted. Still drunk, he throws on some clothes, cleans up a bit, and goes to the elevator. The doors open up, and of course, the university president is in the same elevator. The president was also called by the manager to deal with the situation. 
Now Ardobo, our director of operations, is fully freaking out. The two of them make their way to the front desk where a hotel employee and a police officer explain that the walk-on was caught taking a shit in the middle of the lobby. Oh. <laughs> they explain that he was in a hotel room now and that they wanted us to go into the room as they arrested him. So our director of operations, the president, and the police officer open the hotel room and they find a naked 5'5", 250-pound guy that had to be at least 35 years old, spread eagle on the bed. <laughs> no idea who he was, but he was definitely not one of our walk-ons. Our director of ops bursts out laughing, asked the hotel manager why they thought he was one of our players. Apparently, this drunk man took this random drunk man took a shit in the lobby, said he didn't have a key to his room, but that his name was David. The hotel only had one David in the entire database, so they figured it had to be our walk-on. <laughs> <laughs> David's such a great generic oh. name. Uh, yeah, David. But it, yeah, wherever David's staying. Oh my god, what what a what a roller coaster. Mm. For that walk on, yeah. too, by the way. I wonder if I wonder if, how, how, I want to hear what the walk on's reaction was like through all this. And yeah, anyway, all right, this is my favorite one. Buckle up, buckle I up. I was a part of an NAIA D2 Christian school basketball team. Mm. Our coach was always having issues with autocorrect. A couple of months after the Sandusky sentencing, we get a text reminding us of a schedule change to practice. He says. Quote, practice at 3.30 at the rec today. Come early if you want to get raped. (laughs) (laughs) This was to everyone. The players, the assistant coaches, and the managers, which included a couple of girls. About five minutes later, we receive a text that says, in all caps, taped. I meant taped. With three exclamation points. As he proceeded to nervously blame his dumb smartphone. Between the timing of the story and his reactions, we have laughed at that for quite a while. So, yeah, Christian school, that's that's. Could the story you imagine getting that email, how ridiculous that would be? You're just like, what? I just want to point out that I identify with this because once upon a time, there was no autocorrect, and I sent a text to one of my teammates, and I misspelled the word bigger. Ooh. And I just want to point out that the letter N and the letter B are right next to each other on a keyboard, and... That was not a fun day for me, Tate. I'll just put it that way. So this was a story identified. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why it was one of my favorites. But, oh man! Um, See, I don't know. Gotta have T- we got to figure out a way to get. You got to have T nine word. That'll keep you safe at all times. We, we got to figure out a way to give out some uh, some prizes. Drop some duffel bag for the fans. If um, if anyone but, has any t shirt ideas or anything that maybe good guy, bad guy, producer Kyle has been working really hard trying to get us t shirts, and uh, and it's been a solo effort from Kyle. So if anyone owns a t shirt company place or knows someone that wants to make t shirts, we would love to make t shirts and then send them to people that send great stories in. Right? Is that fair? Absolutely. Yeah, that's what we have to do. And, and also, I want to mention. Thank you for everyone who sends us stories. Keep sending your stories. Please do. If I have not read your story, um, stay patient. Like some of them, we there's a method to the madness. Like I might get to some of them later. So some of you send in, you might be listening. You're like, my story were better than all those. Why didn't you read mine? I might read it next week. Just calm down. But uh, also I want to reiterate, like stop sending us names of coaches. Yeah. <laughs> stop saying like, I hate this coach. And I want to tell you about the time that he cheated on his wife. And <laughs> like, oh my God. that's that's not what we're after. We do not want that. Uh, so... Although, I, I mean, unless you're like very easily concealed, like people are so bad at concealing the identity state that like the, the one guy talking about playing Tony Bennett, that story isn't so bad because it was basically just about him. But people are like this one coach who coached at Ohio State in 2008 who will remain <laughs> nameless. And I'm like, 
I don't know. So I, that's I my that's my weird, PSA. There's like a weird desire for them for you to know who they're talking about, you know? Because then it adds more weight to the yeah. story. But this the story they, is what should carry the weight, not not the names. Absolutely. So anyway, we're gonna keep doing that segment. We have fun with it. Uh lastly, let, let's let's close this up with a few shout-outs, Date. I want to shout out. Did you see the Bobby Knight 30 for 30 trailer? I saw the trailer. Yeah, I, I wanted to hear your thoughts. That was actually what someone tweeted at me. They said, please, please ask at Club Trillion what he thinks about the Bob Knight trailer. And I'm asking, what do you think? I think it's absolutely incredible. And I, I've never been more excited for anything Ooh. in my life. Uh, they captured everything. The, the one thing I'm worried about is that they're not going to they're not gonna do like the good side of Knight, which there is a good side. I mean, he had so many people play for him. He... One, he never broke like a single NCAA rule. He kick out. He would kick guys off the team if there was even a hint of impropriety in any capacity. He and for all the all the problems that he did have, like so many players that played for him love him and said like he made me who I am. Like Isaiah Thomas would say, like the reason he chose IU is because Bob Knight recruited his mom and didn't recruit him. He just went to his mom and was like, "Here's what we want from your son, and this is what I'm going to do." And it was like, "Damn, that's a powerful man. I want to play for that man." And so like all these, all of his players loved him, and I I know that this is going to be like a knight is an asshole movie. That's just going to be the whole point of the movie. But I'm also, as someone who also is willing is an Indiana fan and is willing to say, yeah, knight was kind of an asshole. <laughs> I'm kind of excited for that part too. <laughs> I'm I'm super excited. I think anything that's to do with Bob Knight. I, I I honestly the worst thing that has happened over the past like ten years is that. Bob Knight has lost the reverential treatment towards his coaching and, and his legacy has been tarnished by other things besides what he did with the basketball. And, uh, you know, at once upon a time, what was the, what was the whole thing with Michael Jordan? It was Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player and the greatest coach he ever played for was Bob Knight. You know what I mean? And now we've yeah. gotten to the space where Bob Knight is not even discussed in the conversation and coach K is without a doubt, you know, always the one. But never forget, Coach K stole everything from Bob He's, Knight. So everything good that Bob absolutely. Knight does, that K does, he stole from Bob Knight. So it's just like Bill Belichick. Knight has, Knight, everything that Bill Belichick took, he took from Bill Parcells. He has absolutely destroyed his legacy, Knight has. Uh, and Indiana fans, most of them are kind of in the same boat of, I mean, there are a lot of old guard Indiana fans that love the guy mm-hmm. still, but most of them kind of have the same thought. Like, yeah, it, it, when he was there, it was like, yeah, it could go either way. When he was fired, it was like, he probably, he. Sh- I guess I see why he was fired, but this is kind of bullshit because if you actually look at the details of the case, it's not really that big of a deal. Uh, and, and there's some stuff not worth getting into, but it was like, I mean, I mean, I see why he was fired, but is it really, I don't know, whatever. Kind of controversial whether he should have been fired. And then now it's like, all right, screw you, Bobby. Just calm down. Like, he won't step foot in Indiana. He's, yeah, all that, the people are, the all the people that like, all, he wants every single person that was at Indiana when he was there dead. Now he's yep. he's saying stuff like that, and yep. uh, and he like he basically is kind of shitting on the fan base too by doing all this. Like the fan base is like, please come back, Bobby. Let's name the court after you. Let's everyone that that wronged you is gone. Let's all celebrate you. And he's like, screw you guys too. I hate you all. And mm-hmm. so I think most people are kind of like over it all. But in that heyday, Bob Bob Knight, I don't know. There, there's there will never be to me a more controversial coach. And I don't mean controversial in the sense like he's bad. I mean, controversial in in the literal sense of what controversy is, where people are, it's divisive. It's like, he's obviously a great guy and a great leader and he's, he wins and he graduates players and he does it the right way. And then there's the other group that's like, there has never been a bigger asshole in the history of coaching to Bob Knight. And Mm. you'll, there will never be a coach that's like as polarizing as him because whatever identity he assumed for whatever situation he was in, he was a hundred percent that like he, when he graduated players, he meant 
damn it, I'm graduating all these damn players, and this matters to me. And it, uh, you know, when he when he when he was hard about NCAA rules and like I'm not breaking NCAA rules, that shit mattered to him, and it wasn't just lip service. But then when he was an asshole, my God, was he an asshole? And there was nothing like that. So uh, one of the best. I don't know. And and let's not. Forget, I'm so excited for that. I'm so excited too. And I mean, Bob Knight. I mean, people. If you throw a chair in a game, you know, it's Bob Knight. So that was as. Like the memory of Bob Knight has lasted in that sense. You know, he's had trademark moments. People remember little things about Bob Knight. If you watch Blue Chips, you obviously, you know, see how much they revered Bob Knight at the time to have him in that movie as like the big dog on campus coming in to bring his team. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a weird split divide and how, I mean, most all of my Bob Knight, the way I view him is comes from, you know, I'm the youngest person in my family. So most everyone views Bob Knight as this great basketball coach. And then, you know, the stuff that's happened after the fact, it's more sad than it is. Like they don't like they, you know, have a vitriol or an act, an active hatred towards Bob Knight. It's more just sad. That that's the way that it all played out in Indiana. But, uh, you know, it, I already know that's the asshole part of him. He, he made that happen at Indiana. He could have, you know, buried the hatchet long ago, but he hasn't. I already know that the there's going to be a, a segment in the 30 for 30 where they, they do Luke Wrecker's career arc in college and how he was Mr. Basketball in Indiana. He dreamed of playing for Bob Knight his whole life. He goes to Indiana. He's like one of the best players on the team. He's averaging like 16 points or something. And then he decides Bob Knight's kind of an asshole. I don't want to play for this man anymore. And he makes up some bullshit. I, I, I forget what the reason was. I I was old enough to actually remember this. This is I, I remember all of this happening and being shocked by it, that Luke Recker was transferring. Uh, but he makes up something about, like, I want to develop better as a player, and I'm just not developing. And it's not Bob Knight's fault. It's my fault. But I just I feel like a fresh start would be good. But the real reason was, like, I hate this man, and I can't mm-hmm. play for him anymore. Mm-hmm. And he becomes vilified in Indiana because he's an Indiana kid. He's Mr. Basketball, and it's it's – he just represents everything about Indiana basketball. He goes to Arizona, then ends up at Iowa. And then in 02, when, in, when Indiana's last final four team, Luke Recker hits the buzzer beater for Iowa and the big 10 tournament championship to beat Indiana. And just in Indianapolis, by the way, um, I already know they're going to like go through all of that in the 30 for 30. And it's going to break my heart because at the time, I'll be honest. I hated Luke Recker at the time <laughs> when he transferred. I hated Luke Recker, and reasonably that, so. that broke my heart when he when he hit the game winner. But like now that I've gotten older, I'm just like, yeah, I kind of see where Luke Recker was coming from. Absolutely. So anyway, enough about that. Uh, a couple more shout outs. Thoughts and prayers to Red Panda, the the world famous halftime act, everybody's mm. favorite halftime act. Had her unicycle stolen from San Francisco airport. It's a unicycle that she has been. If, for those who don't know. You have to know if you're a basketball fan, even a little bit. You've seen Red Panda. And, I mean, she's—I swear to God, this woman has done her act at high school games. Like she's in every <laughs> gym of the country. Um, she had her unicycle stolen. She she gets she rides a unicycle and basically flips bowls on top of her head using one of her feet, and that's it. That's the entire act. But it's the most mesmerizing thing you'll ever see. You kind of can't she had believe her it when you stolen. watch it live. Like when you see it on TV, it yeah. doesn't do it justice. When you see it live, you're like, I don't understand what's happening right now. Uh, she had, she had her unicycle stolen and, and she had it for 30 years. That's the big hook is like, yeah. it's not just any unicycle. It's the one she's had for 30 years. And it kind of, it, it was just her thing is what she used. It's like the, uh, what's the natural, the, that movie where the, um, I, I, the, it's the natural, right? Where the, the, he uses the bat that like, Oh yeah, 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 that, yeah. That's the movie. Yeah. Yes. Where the, yes. He uses his lucky bat and then it cracks or whatever. And he's mm-hmm. like, I don't know if I can hit the home run. I never actually saw it. I just see it mentioned so often that. Um, I'm referencing it, but yeah. So 
Thoughts and prayers to Red Panda. We're going to find out if she can do her act without, and, without her famous unicycle. And the Warriors said that they would pay uh, the ransom to get the, the unicycle back. So if, if someone has it, please, like the Warriors will pay. Just just give her the unicycle back. They need the act. Uh, another shout out for me, uh, Krzyzewskiville. Uh, that that sweet place before mm. they lead up to the North Carolina game. Uh, they are all out there. They all have the flu. Everyone is sick. So they had to shut down Krzyzewskiville. Um, and it just goes back to, like, where's the Duke that I know? You know? Like, they, they've had the flu before out there, Mark Titus, and they used to just, you know, get through it. They just make it happen. But now, Coach K, they're, they're just getting soft over there. So, unfortunately, Krzyzewskiville yep. shut down. The flu won. Uh, and North Carolina plays Duke in less than a week, so it's all happening. The rivalry's back. Ooh, ooh, interesting. They're gonna go to that. Zone. I'm telling. You, I think Carolina might win. I'm telling you, they're gonna do the zone. Luke May's gonna just chill in the high post, and that's gonna be a big game. And then, and then you're gonna get sucked back in. You're gonna be like Carolina's back. Uh. But, for, but first, but first, Tate, not Pearl Jam. Um, oh. First. North Carolina is going to lose to Pitt. Yeah, that's, that's the one where, that's like, if, if they lose to Pitt and Kevin this Stallings, because Stallings and Roy apparently are, like, they, well, they used to be really good friends. I don't think they are as much because uh, Jacob Stallings used to play at Carolina, so Kevin Stallings was always uh, on campus and stuff. Uh, I would If Roy throws this game for Stallings just to have one signature win so he can stay on next year, uh, I'm done. I won't watch anymore. <laughs> This is your revenge, dude, for all the shit talk you had of Stallings. He's 0-10 in ACC play. He's going to come into the Dean Dome. Yeah, I mean, the odds, <laughs> say, Carolina, the so. odds say he has to win one ACC game, so this could be the one. Right. This could be it. Um, You got anything else? No, no. I have, so yeah. I was. I, I made a note of, to say games to watch. Honestly, just watch the Super Bowl. Like, there's there's no <laughs> college basketball on. And I, I looked at the schedule on Sunday. I noticed there are only, like, 14 games on, and the last game tips at 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern. Um, what time does the Super Bowl tip or kick off? Uh, six thirty. Six thirty or something. Yep. Yeah, interesting. That's funny for for a sport that says it's all about amateurism and we don't care about money and we don't care about you know all that other stuff. It's it's just quite a coincidence, Tate, that that on Super Bowl Sunday they have a fewer number of games and the, all the games are over by the time the Super Bowl <laughs> kicks off. Interesting how that works mm. out. It's almost it's almost like TV is driving this entire sport and because they know no one's going to watch these games, they're not going to make any money. And uh, No, yeah, Titus. They just want the kids to be able to watch the Super Bowl. That's what they want. Oh, that, that's, that's what it is. It. It's about the kids. It's about the kids. So, all right. Well, uh, we will be back after Super Bowl on Tuesday. Um, we will never do an NBA draft thing again until the draft. That's our <laughs> promise to you. Um, I I just I felt like I was blacking out in the middle of a draft discussion. I don't want to ever do that again. It's just who cares? Who honestly cares? And it's but just we'll be back on Tuesday. It's all made up. Just we're all having fun here. We're just we just want to talk about where guys could go, and we basically just wanted to make the argument why stop making Trey Young the number one pick. Like leave the guy alone. Let him have fun. That's the whole point. Trey Young deserves to have fun. Don't put all this pressure on him. If you if you say he should be the number one pick and all this other stuff, call him Steph Curry. Then it makes it not fun. Just leave him alone. Leave Trey leave, leave Trey Young alone. Everyone. Leave Trey alone and uh, save the crew.